When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. The Hartford understands protecting your business with the proper insurance can be a challenge. The Hartford team can provide coverage to suit your industry. The Hartford empowers mid- to large-size companies like yours to help manage risk, from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. Let the Hartford help protect what's unique about your business. Learn how at thehartford.com. Now, from our nation's capital, this is Bloomberg Sound On. Everybody who goes to the store, everybody who buys gas, they know that inflation is here. The voters were really not focused on pro or anti-Trump. They were focused on core issues that matter to them. Bloomberg Sound On. Politics, policy, and perspective from D.C.'s top names. I think the billionaire tax is good, but I think it's more of a messaging issue than a funding issue. Upgrading and maintenance of roads and bridges. Over 600,000 new jobs would be created. Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. Yeah, nothing like a little kitchen table talk to ease us into the holiday as President Biden rolls out a new plan to fight inflation. From the kitchen table to the gas pump, including a coordinated release of crude oil supplies from our strategic petroleum reserve. We'll have details for you on that, having heard from the president now, and we'll discuss the plan with Congressman Kevin Brady, Republican from Texas, ranking member the House Ways and Means Committee has been calling for more domestic drilling for months on this program, among other quarters. Later, we'll talk to a driller, Dan Eberhardt, CEO of drilling services company Canary, on prices, production, and policy. And it's the signature sound on panel today. Bloomberg Politics contributors Jeannie Shanzano and Rick Davis are with us for the fastest hour in politics. If you listen to Bloomberg Radio, you knew it was coming President Biden just confirmed his decision to tap the SPR, the Strategic Petroleum Reserve, 50 million barrels, more than predicted. The president spoke about it this afternoon from the White House. So today I'm announcing that the largest ever release from the U.S. Strategic Petroleum Reserve to help provide the supply we need as we recover from this pandemic. In addition, I brought together other nations to contribute to the solution, India, Japan, Republic of Korea and the United Kingdom have agreed to release additional oil from their reserves. And China may do more as well. But crude oil prices actually went up today, as Charlie Pellet's been telling you. As I read on the terminal, the market was initially underwhelmed by details of the package. Much of the oil will have to be returned to the stockpile by the refiners who buy it. And international contributions, the president just referred to them, were smaller than many expected. That is where we start with Congressman Kevin Brady, Republican from Texas, ranking member on the House Ways and Means Committee. Congressman, welcome back. We've talked about this before. Will this bigger than expected move by the president, 50 million barrels to tap the SPR, bring relief of any sort, if only in the short term? Yeah, so not much, and it will be. Uh, hey, Joe, good to visit with you again, especially as we head into Thanksgiving holiday. So a pleasure. Uh, It'll be a small relief and only in the short term because the president, you know, has unleashed probably the most relentless attack on made in America energy in our lifetimes. It's why you're seeing uh, prices at the pump and home heating uh, fuel prices so high and continuing to be that way. But that, that petroleum reserve is there for a reason. It is to be an economic security in case there's a interruption in uh, oil and gas supplies, uh, mm-hmm. not a, a political um, a, a political pool of money, slush fund, in effect, uh, to be able to use to temporarily lower prices, especially when the president has been the one driving these prices up. I think the market reacted that way because they see it for what it is, which is some point uh, this will have to be um, uh, purchased and refilled uh, right. probably at, uh, at higher price points. So, you know, I, I just think the president is so wrongheaded on this attack on energy, I don't think this will, I think Americans will see little relief for a, a very little time. To be fair, crude oil prices had come down a bit in advance of the announcement. There was a lot of 
uh, speculation about this. Not so much with gas prices, though, as they say, Congressman, the gas prices take the elevator up and the stairs down. Uh, President Biden talked about it today, reminding everyone that he's asked the FTC to investigate possible gouging. Is that something you support? Well, uh, there is no gouging in the in that uh, industry. As you know, every one of these investigations have so-called investigations have been politically motivated, trying to cover their tail about uh, their inability to uh, to create more American-made energy. I think the outcome will be the same there yeah. as well. The truth is the president ought to be looking in the mirror. Well, tell our listeners, though, Congressman, so it's an opportunity to explain that. Why Why do we see that delay in gas prices coming down? We we, we go through this every, every year, a couple times a year, where crude oil goes up, gas prices fly higher, it's on the front pages, and then it's a very slow descent. Well, we, we see that uh, in years where supply and demand is tight uh, and uh, where there are conversions to different types of fuels. But I think this year is different. Um, look, our energy, I, I come from an energy state. Our leaders have been warning the White House for not just this White House, uh, President Trump's as well, is that coming out of COVID, uh, there was going to be uh, a difficulty in meeting uh, the supply uh, and demand ratios that we needed to move quick, more quickly in addressing that. And then when, obviously, President Biden's first week in office, canceling the Keystone XL pipeline, raising uh, taxes on energy companies, as he's proposing to do, uh, increasing royalty rates uh, in, in, in this new Build Back Better bill, uh, locking off even more of American-made uh, resources around the country, all this is contributing, I think, to the to the psychological understanding that that for the Green New Deal, this president is going to focus on driving energy prices up higher. Well, it's interesting because this is a White House and, and it's been it's been kind of an irony over the last couple of months that is looking uh, to advance the transfer to renewable energy. Uh, but in the process is calling for more production uh, in the case of OPEC, you've been calling for more production domestically, Congressman. Would, sh- would drilling more shale over the summer and into the fall have prevented this from happening? Or is it not that simple? I get I get angry tweets whenever I ask you about this. I'm not advocating for one or the other. I'm truly yeah. curious about the supply and, and demand dynamic here. If Texas was drilling more earlier this year, would we be having this conversation right now? So it would not be as severe, no question about it. Look, this is supply and this is demand, and you've got to have that uh, supply moving. The U.S., as you know, has become energy independent, is doing things more environmentally friendly uh, than most countries do, uh, and ought to be where we are uh, using our domestic supplies. This president very quickly made it clear that would not be the case. And so the irony of America begging foreign countries for helping lowering uh, gas prices and oil prices by doing more drilling overseas where it's not as environmentally clean and friendly and respectful as in the United States, you know, works against this whole notion that the administration is committed to uh, to cleaner energy. Uh, They're taking actions to do just the opposite. But this is a risk for drillers in your state, right? They've seen prices come crashing down before after they made major investments, and a lot of them are simply congressmen not willing to do it again. What do you tell them? Well, I think one, you know, uh, this attack on them is uh, has consequences. It's tougher to get financing. They're less willing to make risks. They're seeing these tax increases uh, being proposed and advanced in Washington, D.C., all of which are aimed at them, and so it's sort of understandable that there'd be a reluctance to make. Reluctance, sure. Me, even before the Biden administration, though, to, to be fair, Congressman, sorry to interrupt, even before the Biden administration came along, this was an issue. We we went through, uh, you know, the covid crash, the negative oil, all that stuff. Uh, and, and, and it was Donald Trump who was at one time considering a coordinated release from the strategic reserve. So this it doesn't always seem to be limited to party. Well, the difference, I think, being is that President Trump was giving a green light to Made in America energy that is done, again, so uh, environmentally responsibly compared Understood. to other countries. But the international market can be so volatile that, that, that yeah. drillers in Texas can be victimized no matter who's in the White House. Well, I think one of the frustrations is right now there is a red light uh, on any kind of oil and gas exploration here in the United States, including the transmission of it into the regions that need this and 
coupled with the regulatory changes and the tax changes, are pretty clear. It's, it is a red light uh, uh, on U.S. made in America energy. And as a result, you're going to see higher prices for an extended period. How does more drilling get us to net zero carbon emissions if that is, in fact, the goal here? At some point, there's going to have to be higher prices as we make that jump, no? So I, I'm not sure that that's the case. And I'll, and I'll tell you why. Because we've already shown in the Permian Basin how you can drill more productively and affordably and do it in a, in a seriously uh, more environmentally friendly way. Our innovations and technologies in states like ours in traditional oil and gas is leading the world. And I'm convinced that rather than drive prices up and kill off oil and gas jobs, which seems to be the focus of the Green New Deal, the opposite should be true. Let's make affordable energy energy cleaner, which we are doing. And then let's take that innovation, that technology, and export it tax and tariff-free around the world, help the whole planet address greenhouse gas emissions. I think that's the smarter. And I think from a lifting people out of poverty, not just in the U.S., around the world, I think it's the more yeah. responsible approach. We're talking with Congressman Kevin Brady, who's spending some time with us on Bloomberg Sound On, I want to ask you in our, our remaining couple of moments here about the president's uh, decisions on, at least so far, Fed nominations. We had the two big ones yesterday. Jay Powell, Lael Brainerd, you issued a statement saying the Fed congressman is in denial about inflation. What does Jay Powell need to do to convince you that he's the right man for that job? And, and are higher interest rates is more tightening the answer? You know, I think my, my frustration has been the Fed had a couple couple approaches. One, I think the Fed's been in denial about both the labor shortage uh, and inflation and has just just more recently begun to acknowledge it, uh, thankfully. Secondly, I think they've been an enabler for unprecedented amount of stimulus at the federal level, even when it's not needed. And I think that, too, is contributing, contributing along with the labor shortage issues, to inflation that will be higher and last longer. I also worry that the Fed uh, is, in effect, adopting almost a third mandate, uh, which would, in, in addition to sound dollar and unemployment, now is climate change. Yeah. I think that's a distraction from what the Federal Reserve ought to be doing. In my view, they seem to be picking and choosing which fiscal policies to engage in. I think that undercuts the confidence in them. Is it time to start tightening, or should they have already? Well, I think should have already uh uh, but at least um, create credibility. I know I know Wall Street loves them because they continue to pump out stimulus. But at some point, you know, there's a reckoning on inflation. No one, by the way, Joe, yeah. wants this, uh, the expectation of inflation to take hold. That is that is not a political issue. We don't want that for the country. I think that's why we're on edge. Congressman Kevin Brady, Republican from Texas. We wish you a happy Thanksgiving, sir. And thanks for your time. With us on Bloomberg Sound On, I'm Joe Matthew. We'll assemble the panel next. Rick and Jeannie with us this hour. This is Bloomberg. You're listening to Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. The headline on the terminal, oil advances with global SPR release smaller than expected. So blame the neighbors. And after what we've heard all day from experts, analysts... Johann Schmiegel, you've got the world's highest IQ. Yes, 247. Wow. Did you know that thanks to Salesforce with Einstein AI, everyone's smarter? Now everyone's an Einstein, just like you. But I'm the smartest. Not anymore. With connected data and trusted AI, everyone can give customers experiences they've only dreamed of. Oh, look, here's a few Einsteins now. Hey, hi. Hola, amigo. Everyone's an Einstein? It's okay, Johan. Let it happen. The number one AI CRM... Now everyone's an Einstein with Salesforce. Throughout the industry, you can uh, now you can add Congressman Kevin Brady to that list. The move by President Biden will have a very short-term impact on prices. What about the politics behind this move, though? We assembled a panel for more on that with Bloomberg Politics contributors Jeannie Shanzano and Rick Davis. Their take for the hour. Thanks to both of you for being here. Jeannie, did the president make the right move? And if you've been watching politics for about five minutes you've seen this move before everyone knows kind of how short term this impact will likely be although it's a slightly different take there are more you know more coming out of rspr and you do have these other countries japan south korea 
Uh, maybe China gets involved. We'll see. Is it good politics to get on TV and say, at least I'm doing something? I think it's a reflection of the fact of how few options, not just Joe Biden, but any president of the United States has in these situations. And to me, all day today, it just underscored how very few tools they have in their toolbox. He is taking a step that, as you and the congressman just mentioned, is going to have a very modest impact at best and it also creates problems for him as well you know we could get some pushback from opec plus certainly and also this is coming on the heels of cop 26 this is a president who is trying to he says reduce uh, dependence on fossil fuel and fight climate change and yet he takes this step and how that is sort of uh you know how that feels in the progressive climate if you will is another story so that's the great irony here though it is the great irony and again i think it just underscores did he do the right thing politically maybe but from a policy perspective and long term Probably sure. not, but he didn't have many other options. Not everybody's listening to Bloomberg all day long, though, here, uh, Rick, and perception is reality. Does it help the president to get on TV before Thanksgiving and say, hey, listen, I'm doing a, a big release here. Here's what the strategic reserve is. It's going to bring your gas prices down. Is that not good politics? Uh, it, it's only politics. In other words, like what Jeannie said, I don't think there's any mechanical effort here to actually try and you know, uh, really impact the price of oil. As you point out, this is half of what many traders were saying uh, would be an appropriate measure, 100 um, uh, million gallons, not 50. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, but I think he's just trying to buy his way into the hearts and minds of the voters who see he hadn't done anything on inflation. Not the first president to do that. Sure. And, uh, and, and I don't think this has anything to do with gas prices. I think this is his attack on inflation. Sure. You know, and and this is his way of doing it while you're out there driving to grandma and grandpa's for Thanksgiving. You're gassing up, getting pissed off. And <laughs> and and you hear on the radio that, you know, he's just released this and you're thinking, yeah, dang it. You know, that's what uh-huh. I really wanted. So uh, I, but it's but it's a it's a it's a quick high. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and, and everyone's going to come down. Market and before Christmas so. hits, they're going to say, wait a minute, that was waste, a waste of 50 million perfectly good gallons of oil. So I, I, I really don't see it as anything other than just sort of this this really short-term high. And, and I don't get it. This is not what this administration has been doing. They've been taking their time, if anything, too much time. And, 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 and this is a real departure from all their messaging around the climate, as, as Jeannie true. points out. Well, so then I want to bring you back because, of course, you know, history has a way of repeating itself, especially I want to to just walk with Rick Davis back to 2008 and the Republican convention. Remember this moment? Let me make it very clear. Drill, baby, drill and drill now. Yeah, you do. Michael Steele, let him rip. They got into the chant about 100 times that night. And I'm pretty sure Rick remembers that because everyone started doing it. Then Rudy Giuliani said it. Then Sarah Palin started doing it. It became a refrain on the campaign trail that year. Drill, baby, drill. And after what we're seeing now and the Biden administration's reach for renewable energy, does this spin around, Rick, and and become a new rallying cry for Republicans in the midterms and in 24? Uh, it could. Um, uh, remember, at that point, we were very dependent on uh, oil from uh, uh, outside sources, so this is foreign a different sources. World? And, and, and we did. We actually drilled in the Permian Basin, as Kevin Brady uh, mentioned, started yeah. supplying us with an unlimited, seemingly, uh, amount of gas and oil. And the price of gas went, our, uh, you know, natural gas went way down. And, and it really helped the economy that we were trying to come out of this horrible shock in 2008 yeah. uh, to uh, to restructure. So, did you come up with that, by the way? Uh, no, I did not come <laughs> okay. up with Drill, Baby, Drill. I just, um, I, I'm sure, I got this, I know there's a story behind that. I, I, I'd love to. I, I would blame Lindsey Graham probably for that. <laughs> okay. um, but uh, but it, at the end of the day, that all changed. Now, today, it's a completely different dynamic. We don't actually get oil from foreign sources. We are relatively independent. And so the only question is, how do we manage our own resource base here? What do you and, think, Jeannie? 
drill baby drill in in 22 is this a concern for democrats i i'm really glad to hear rick davis did not come up with that so thank you rick i was sure it was. <laughs> um you know to me it's it's really really very a sad moment really as we come out of cop 26 there's maybe parts of this world we can't live in and this is what we're doing this is it's very distressing to me we'll stay with the panel for the hour rick and genie will be back in a bit coming up he runs the largest private oil company in the u.s dan eberhardt of canary will be with us his take on the president's move and the pressure to produce more i'm joe matthew this is bloomberg Broadcasting live from our nation's capital, Bloomberg 99.1, to New York, Bloomberg 1130, to Boston, Bloomberg 1061, to San Francisco, Bloomberg 960, to the country, Sirius XM Channel 119, and around the globe, the Bloomberg Business App and BloombergRadio.com. This is Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew. It was not very long ago, Dan Eberhardt was being asked about a floor for crude oil. Where's the floor? The question for the man who runs the biggest private oil company in the U.S. was how low can it go? But things have changed a lot since the COVID crash, negative oil. We're going to talk about it with Dan next. We've been spending time this hour talking about the president's energy policy and today's announcement, the decision to release 50 million barrels from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve Dan Everhart calls it raiding the reserve. He is the CEO of drilling services company Canary, and he joins us now on Sound On. Dan, I thank you for being here. I don't want to make this an hour about Joe Biden's attack on oil. I do want to talk about what happens now, though, for a company like yours, for an industry like yours. Do you believe prices have gotten to the point where they're sustainable enough that you can trust this market to boost drilling, to increase production? Or or are executives like you still feeling gun shy from what happened a year and a half ago? Well, I mean, look, oil going negative was was something I, I never thought I would see in my career. But I, I think that there is a, a good, solid floor. The economy is roaring. Um, also, all of this inflation, uh, you know, the, the 1.2 trillion stimulus bill, the 1.7 um, trillion, um, you know, human infrastructure bill, if you will. These things are also inflationary, which is going to push the oil higher. So I, I feel pretty bullish about where the oil price is going. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I think this this SPR announcement is a mistake, I think. Tell me why. And why is it raiding uh, the reserve? Do you want to see this in a, in a time of a natural disaster? There should be more of an emergency, I'm, I'm presuming. You tell me. Yeah, I, look, I think the Strategic Petroleum Reserve was put in place so that we're not beholden to Russia, so that we're not beholden to Saudi Arabia. It wasn't meant to be a, a political a political valve that can or lever that can be pulled to lower the price of gas for kind of sure. immediate satisfaction. Does it do we, any damage, though? Save... I mean, if people get a little break uh, for the holiday, is that a bad thing? No, and, and no, and, and again, look, you know, I'm I'm an oil and gas guy, but I'll, but also, I, you know, I've invested in other parts of the economy, and I want to see the economy do well. And oil too high is bad for that. Yeah. This will knock about ten cents a gallon off the off the price of gas. But I think it's just a, a short-term sugar high, um, and you know won't really be that helpful in the scheme of a year. It's really not going to be that helpful. And we've we've at a time when China is building a, a strategic petroleum reserve, we are letting ours go for political for short-term political gains. To, to me, is the wrong move and short-sighted. How how big of a deal in your industry is underinvestment right now, particularly coming out of COVID, when everybody just seemed to let go of the reins? Yeah, so, I mean, it, it's a pretty big deal. Look, oil, oil and gas production fell from about 13 million barrels a day to eight. Drilling went down about 75 or 80 percent. And the fuel use basically only declined about 20 percent. So we, we underinvested for about a year in the industry, and I think it's going to push oil, you know, higher. And I also think these just kind of macro inflationary things are also going to push the oil higher. And that's going to be, you know, way on the economy as we exit 2021 and head into 2022. So where we are now, you know, we'll say uh, mid upper 70s. Is that kind of the range or do you or do you get back to this conversation of one hundred dollars a barrel? And if that happens, do you start to, well, like we were saying last drill, baby drill? <laughs> yeah, to, to channel Larry Kudlow. Look, I, I do think we need to drill, baby drill. Look, I, I think oil is is going to be more, um, you know, you're, we're looking at a floor of 70 not a not a ceiling of 75 right now i i look for oil to end up you know in q1 is going to hit 100 or or even before 
I want you to listen to, to President Biden uh, from earlier today when he made this announcement. He was speaking to the actual source of high prices, not just crude oil, but also for gasoline. And it was more of uh, it was more of a, an effort to correct the record as he referred to his own climate policy in the White House. Here's Joe Biden from earlier. I also want to briefly address one myth about inflated gas prices. They're not due to environmental measures. My effort to combat climate change is not raising the price of gas or increasing its availability. What it's doing, it's increasing the availability of jobs. Jobs building electric cars like the one I drove at the GM GM factory in Detroit last week. Dan, if the if the climate policies of this White House, which Congressman Kevin Brady earlier this hour directly blamed for the higher gas prices, if that's not it, what is it? What do you see from the ground view? Well, I mean, what, what I just heard sounds like something, you know, a, a political hack in an office in D.C. wrote somewhere. Look, here, here's the facts. The facts are that, um, you know, stopping drilling on offshore leases, stopping uh, auctions on offshore leases, stopping fracking on federal land when wells are drilled, stopping the Keystone Pipeline and others. These are the kinds of things that push energy prices higher. We we all want clean air. We all want clean water. But but what we need to do is we need to be honest with people about if you want these things, if you want to go carbon neutral, energy costs are going to have to double or energy costs are going to have to triple. And I think the White House is being disingenuous about this. The other thing that the Biden administration's uh, clean energy policies are doing is they're crowding out investment in oil and gas, which is going to push the prices higher and the returns for people in the business up. Right. It's going to make investors more money. I want to go back to what you said, though, uh, a second ago. That That's an interesting answer. That means if the goal here is to have net zero emissions, you're saying that on the way, energy prices have to double or triple. Absolutely. Is that right? Well, who's uh, going to be ready for that? That, a, that, 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 that seems to that. eliminate the appetite a lot of people have for clean air. Uh, and zero emissions, if it's going to double or triple prices, how do we get over that, Dan? Well, look, I think I think we can have federal help. I think we can have federal subsidies. I think we can phase it in. It's not something that needs to be done immediately. Mm-hmm. And we're gonna, not going to stop needing oil and gas immediately. But I think that the you know administration and politicians need to stop chasing the headlines, and they need to be honest with consumers. Do all of your saves and say, look, if we want clean air, we want clean water, we want to be carbon neutral, this is going to be the actual cost. And I think they just they just go after the headline, right? The headline is we you know we want to stop fracking, clap clap clap. Well, what does that mean? It means higher oil prices. We want to not have the the Keystone Pipeline. Well, what does that mean? That means the oil is going to be transported on trains. It's going to cost more, you know. And I think the politicians they only tell us half the story sometimes in this you know energy transition period that we're in. Talking with Dan Eberhardt, who's the CEO of Canary, a drilling services company said to be the largest private oil company. In the country, so we have an expert on the line, and obviously his politics and, and financial interests are clear here. We just wanted to get your view, Dan, uh, to tell us what's actually happening in your industry. To that end, how long does the the ten cent, if that's what it is, per gallon downturn last in gas prices? When are we back to where uh, we were? Yeah, we'll we'll be back to where we were mid January probably. I mean, it, it will it will take a little bit of the sting off, and it, and it will uh, create a little downward pressure on prices headed into the holiday season. I don't, and I don't think that's bad for the economy. I just think foreign policy-wise, it's, it's a short-term it's a short-term yeah. move for domestic political reasons, not a good foreign policy. I've got to wrap it up, Dan, but do you do you have a goal to be carbon neutral someday, or is that just against your business interest? No, no, I, I would like to be. Look, again, I, I want clean, clean water, just the timeline. I want clean air, and I want to do my part. Dan Eberhardt with Canary, we thank you for your expertise. We reassemble the panel next. We just heard a lot. I'm going to talk about it with Rick and Jeannie here on Sound On, the only forum where you can have this conversation. This is Bloomberg. Johann Schmiegel, you've got the world's highest IQ. Yes, 247. Wow. Did you know that thanks to Salesforce with Einstein AI, everyone's smarter? Now everyone's an Einstein, just like you. But I'm the smartest. Not anymore. With connected data and trusted AI, everyone can give customers experiences they've only dreamed of. Oh, look, here's a few Einsteins now. Hey, hi. Hola, amigo. Everyone's an Einstein? It's okay, Johan. Let it happen. The number one AI CRM. Now everyone's an Einstein with Salesforce. You're listening to Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on
on Bloomberg Radio. The program described today by Bloomberg's Tom Keene as piercing political talk. Did you hear him say that? I always knew Tom was a genius. I feel like we need to do a full hour on EVs after this program, but look, we're trying to get to the bottom of this conversation about oil prices, about the energy markets, the president's move today, the SPR, and even if you do not agree with everyone you're hearing from, I hope you're learning as much as I am. And to that end, we reassemble our signature panel. It is a feast this week. Bloomberg Politics contributors Jeannie Shanzano and Rick Davis. Jeannie, we've heard from a Republican congressman from Texas. We've heard from a driller from Colorado. Obviously, you know where they're coming from here. I guess the question is, is the president's and at more, more at large, the Democratic Party's approach to climate and, and transferring to renewable energy at risk by what we're seeing right now in the energy markets? You know, it simply cannot be because let's deal with the facts here. The facts from the science on this about climate change are real and there's really no arguing with them. Climate change is going to destroy our environment. We've got to address it as a world, not just the United States, and we have to address it now. We could choose to ignore it. We could yeah. choose to turn away from it. But the problem is it's going to only get worse. And here's and more he- expensive. And I mean, was Dan right it, about that? We need to be more honest with everybody about what this is going to look and feel like. I, 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 I think so. You know, I am not a big fan of what the president did today. I think it was a political move. I don't think it's going to have a substantive impact. But the reality is, you know, Dan said himself, He wants clean air. He wants clean water. We all do is what he said. And he said one way to get to net zero is we have more federal investment. Then support the Build Back Better bill. It's not a perfect bill, but it invests in the very places they're talking about. So, you know, you can't have it both ways. Say get federal investment and and do, you know, try to, you know, address, get us to net zero. We've got to take the steps that are in that bill, which, by the way, has, as we know and talk about all the time, has come down to 1.7 1.7 trillion. Right. Rick, how do you prepare the American public for the pain? We're not talking about ripping off the band-aid. This is going to be a slow crawl uh, to net zero, to everyone driving EVs to the end of the internal combustion engine. And it's going to be expensive. If we if we freak out every time gas prices go up a little, we're never going to get there, are we? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a process, right? I remember Al Gore announcing when he was running for president in 2000 that, you know, it was the end of the uh, internal combustion engine there, and that yeah. was 22 years ago. So, um, you know, we're still waiting for that. But, but look, there has been incredible strides, right? You look at the demand now for EVs uh, all across the board in trucking and in transportation, you know, and, 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 and that is something that is... Uh, changing the way we look at gasoline, right? And and so uh, that's going to continue its march, and it's not costing anybody any more than it is today. If anything, it's taken some of the pressure off of gasoline. And so uh, we're going to change. Things are going to happen. As, as Jeannie points out, it, it's probably not happening fast enough to meet the kind of reductions in uh, warming that we need to keep it under the thresholds that the global community cares about. But this whole idea that like great generalities like, oh, your energy prices is going to go up by two if we have clean energy is nuts, right? I mean, right now, wind energy is less expensive than fracking in the West. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's it's the kind of thing where people are being very opportunistic. Um, you know, you kind of hope that your leaders uh, transition you there. I mean, the reality is our economy has benefited from the diversity we have now in energy with clean energy making up a larger and larger portion of our grid. But our grid isn't ready to support those kinds of peaking energies. It has to have some kind of uh, uh, base load. And so far, those have been fossil fuels. So it's the mix has been beneficial. And more and more, we're turning to uh, cheap, uh, uh, clean energy. Yeah. Rick and Jeannie helping us uh, make sense of all of this as we widen the conversation here. This event today was not just supposed to be about oil. They actually have been telegraphing it since last weekend that the president was going to make a major address on inflation. It was about rising prices as we walked into the holiday and it started at least that way here listen to the president from earlier today at the white house gas supply companies are paying less and making a lot more 
They do not seem to be passing it on to the consumers at the pump. In fact, if the gap between wholesale and retail gas prices was in line with past averages, Americans would be paying at least 25 That was the president talking about the right FTC, now. actually. He was looking for his uh, remarks about Thanksgiving, saying bottlenecks in the supply chain uh, are actually starting to see some relief. Remember when that was such a big deal a couple of months ago? Here's the president. And so all these concerns a few weeks ago, there would be uh, there would not be ample food available for Thanksgiving. So many people talked about that, understandably. But families can rest easy. Grocery stores are well stocked with turkey and everything else you need for Thanksgiving. So there's that. Would that have been a better message to send going into the weekend? The idea here is inflation as a whole is a problem. And this president is working on it for you, Jeannie. It turned into a speech about oil the SPR, and opened up a massive avenue for Republicans to criticize him. That's right. You know, I I am glad to hear, by the way, that we are going to have our our turkey dinners on Thanksgiving. So that is good news, according to the president, who will be on Nantucket. Um, Yes, he will. But, you know, I I do think the president, for all the political reasons we've talked about, is trying to get this message right. And again, you know, he, he felt like with very little that he can do as president to combat inflation, they were they tried to do both today. And I think the one unfortunate thing is that what could have been the message about the supply chain sort of drifted into this message about the release of the right. oil. So, you know, even if he was going to do both, he might have done them on two separate days. I think Rick made a really important point, which was that, you know, this this White House has been fairly sort of slow. The president likes to take his time on making decisions. They didn't confront inflation when people noted it was going up and on Bloomberg in particular. And yet when he did, it was at the it was at the very uh, you know last minute here yeah. after that report. And now today, all at once, it's, you know, trying to address everything at once. And the problem is the message gets muddled on a Thanksgiving week. Well, is that how you see it, Rick? Uh, this was supposed to be the chaser to the Fed rollout yesterday, the, the Powell and and Brainerd announcements. The president, I feel your pain from the table to the gas tank, but we're, we're still, we're all talking about 50 million barrels. Maybe that's because we're on Bloomberg, but that's that was the lead for most mainstream news today. Yeah, no, he stepped on his own message. And and, and, and look, we, we talked about this uh, earlier uh, this week that uh, there was real pressure for him to connect with that uh, family sitting around the kitchen table because yeah. all this talk about transitory inflation put him in a box where people thought, oh, he doesn't even care about the rising prices. And we've seen his approval rating now below some of the lowest points in Donald Trump's administration. And so uh, they've got a serious problem. And I don't think the message he was trying to convey, you know, which was, hey, uh, you got all the stuff you need for Thanksgiving. I cut through all these supply chains. I mean, like, even though it's more expensive, uh, you got it. And I, I don't see that as being the message that's going to make people feel better about the future of the economy. You do have a way of cutting uh, through that. By the way, Thanksgiving week, uh, did, did you see what the, they every year they do this deal with the price of uh, Thanksgiving meal? You saw this year a Thanksgiving dinner. The price overall is up by 14%. That is a headline, Jeannie, that this White House didn't need right now. But what's the president? You mentioned Nantucket. They're they're headed there tonight. They're back to the old Thanksgiving on Nantucket drill. They've been doing this for over 30 years, the Biden family. As he looks across the bleak gray and white uh, Vista that that I'm assuming Nantucket has uh, this time of year, kind of a cold week to be there. Is he considering his own mortality here or or how he's going to come back to Washington and get his arms around this story? You know, I think, you know, I know they've been going there for three decades. It's a lovely place. I love Nantucket. But I also worry to a certain extent this sends the wrong message. Joe Biden ran and won on being the Joe Biden who is empathetic with the working class. He talks a lot about Mm -hmm. his working class roots. Nantucket has more of the— sense too yacht club for you? It it, it has that sense. And I love Nantucket. (laughs) I love it. And I would go there any time. But, you know, Joe Biden, whether he goes—you know, he's going to Nantucket. That aside, he's really got to get— back to what he ran and won on, which is his ability to empathize with the challenges that people are facing in the moment. And that seems to have gotten away from him and has resulted in, amongst other things, this huge decline in his public approval ratings, not just amongst Republicans who didn't support him, but yeah. independents, moderate, and even some Democrats. We've come a long way from Mar-a-Lago, Rick Davis. 
Yeah, they're going to have all kinds of fancy Thanksgiving dinners down there. <laughs> I mean, they've got a big fundraiser a week after Thanksgiving. But is Nantucket a problem after four years of Mar-a-Lago? Nah, nobody cares about Nantucket. Most people don't even know if it's in the United States. So, I mean, like... <laughs> I'm here to they, confirm it is not. These these optics are, are, are irrelevant. Um, uh, unless it has something to do with jobs or the economy, and the economy being spelled inflation, hmm. um, uh, nobody's going to pay much attention to it. And and, and look, I mean, uh, the reality of it is, is he could use a break. I mean, uh, this administration has been all over the map, and maybe they can get together and think about how they're going to come out of this holiday yeah. with a clear message. Rick and Jeannie, the signature panel, and another great conversation with us on Bloomberg Sound On. This is why they call it the fastest hour in politics. It's already over. I'll meet you back here tomorrow as we track prices at the Thanksgiving table. Borrowing a thought from Matt Shirley, what's happening to wine prices this year? I'm Joe Matthew. This is Bloomberg. You're listening to Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. The program described today by Bloomberg's Tom Keen as piercing political talk. Did you hear him say that? I always knew Tom was a genius. I feel like we need to do a full hour on EVs after this program, but... Look, we're trying to get to the bottom of this conversation about oil prices, about the energy markets, the president's move today, the SPR. And even if you do not agree with everyone you're hearing from, I hope you're learning as much as I am. And to that end, we reassemble our signature panel. It is a feast this week. Bloomberg Politics contributors Jeannie Shanzano and Rick Davis. Jeannie, we've heard from a Republican congressman from Texas. We've heard from a driller from Colorado. Obviously, you know where they're coming from here. I guess the question is, is the president's and at more, more at large, the Democratic Party's approach to climate and, and transferring to renewable energy at risk by what we're seeing right now in the energy markets? You know, it simply cannot be because let's deal with the facts here. The facts from the science on this about climate change are real and there's really no arguing with them. Climate change is going to destroy our environment. We've got to address it as a world, not just the United States, and we have to address it now. We could choose to ignore it. We could choose to turn away from it. But the problem is it's going to only get worse. And here's and more expensive. I mean, was Dan right about that? We need to be more honest with everybody about what this is going to look and feel like. I I, I think so. You know, I am not a big fan of what the president did today. I think it was a political move. I don't think it's going to have a substantive impact. But the reality is, you know, Dan said himself. He wants clean air. He wants clean water. We all do is what he said. And he said one way to get to net zero is we have more federal investment. Then support the Build Back Better bill. It's not a perfect bill, but it invests in the very places they're talking about. So, you know, you can't have it both ways. Say get federal investment and, and do, you know, try to, you know, address, get us to net zero. We've got to take the steps that are in that bill, which, by the way, has, as we know and talk about all the time, yeah. has come down to $1.7 trillion. Right. Rick, how do you prepare the American public for the pain? We're not talking about ripping off the Band-Aid. This is going to be a slow crawl uh, to net zero, to everyone driving EVs, to the end of the internal combustion engine. And it's going to be expensive. If we if we freak out every time gas prices go up a little, we're never going to get there, are we? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a process, right? I remember Al Gore announcing when he was running for president in 2000 that, you know, it was the end of the... Uh, internal combustion engine there, and that yeah. was 22 years ago. So, um, you know, we're still waiting for that. But, but look, there has been incredible strides, right? You look at the demand now for EVs uh, all across the board in trucking and in transportation. You know, and 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 that is something that is uh, changing the way we look at gasoline, right? And and so. Uh, that's going to continue its march, and it's not costing anybody any more than it is today. If anything, it's taken some of the pressure off of gasoline. And so uh, we're going to change. Things are going to happen. As as Jeannie points out, it, it's probably not happening fast enough to meet the kind of reductions in uh, warming that we need to keep it under the thresholds that the global community cares about. But this whole idea that, like, Great generalities like, oh, your energy prices are going to go up by two if we have clean energy is nuts, right? I mean, right now, wind energy 
is less expensive than fracking in the West. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's it's the kind of thing where people are being very opportunistic. Um, you know, you kind of hope that your leaders uh, transition you there. I mean, the reality is our economy has benefited from the diversity we have now in energy with clean energy making up a larger and larger portion of our grid. But our grid isn't ready to support those kinds of peaking energies. It has to have some kind of uh, uh, baseload. And so far, those have been fossil fuels. So it's the mix has been beneficial. And more and more, we're turning to uh, cheap, uh, uh, clean energy. Yeah. Rick and Jeannie helping us uh, make sense of all of this as we widen the conversation here. This event today was not just supposed to be about oil. They actually have been telegraphing it since last weekend that the president was going to make a major address on inflation. It was about rising prices as we walked into the holiday. And it started at least that way here. Listen to the president from earlier today at the White House. Gas supply companies are paying less and making a lot more. They do not seem to be passing it on to the consumers at the pump. In fact, if the gap between wholesale and retail gas prices was in line with past averages, Americans would be paying at least 25 That was the president talking about the right FTC, now. actually. He was looking for his uh, remarks about Thanksgiving, saying bottlenecks in the supply chain uh, are actually starting to see some relief. Remember when that was such a big deal a couple of months ago? Here's the president. And so all these concerns a few weeks ago, there would be uh, there would not be ample food available for Thanksgiving. So many people talked about that, understandably. But families can rest easy. Grocery stores are well stocked with turkey and everything you else you need for Thanksgiving. So there's that. Would that have been a better message to send going into the weekend? The idea here is inflation as a whole is a problem, and this president is working on it for you, Jeannie. It turned into a speech about oil the SPR, and opened up a massive avenue for Republicans to criticize him. That's right. You know, I, I am glad to hear, by the way, that we are going to have our, our turkey dinners on Thanksgiving. So that is good news, according to the president, who will be on Nantucket. Um, yes, he will. But, you know, I, I do think the president, for all the political reasons we've talked about, is trying to get this message right. And again, you know, he, he felt like with very little that he can do as president to combat inflation, they were they tried to do both today. And I think the one unfortunate thing is that what could have been the message about the supply chain sort of drifted into this message about the release of the right. oil. So, you know, even if he was going to do both, he might have done them on two separate days. I think Rick made a really important point, which was that, you know, this, this White House has been fairly sort of slow. The president likes to take his time on making decisions. They didn't confront inflation when people noted it was going up in on Bloomberg in particular. And yet when he did, it was at the it was at the very uh, you know last minute here yeah. after that report. And now today, all at once, it's, you know, trying to address everything at once. And the problem is the message gets muddled on a Thanksgiving week. Well, is that how you see it, Rick? Uh, this was supposed to be the chaser to the Fed rollout yesterday, the, the Powell and and Brainerd announcements. The president, I feel your pain from the table to the gas tank, but we're, we're still, we're all talking about 50 million barrels. Maybe that's because we're on Bloomberg, but that's, that was the lead for most mainstream news today. Yeah, no, he stepped on his own message. And, 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 and look, we, we talked about this uh, earlier uh, this week that uh, there was real pressure for him to connect with that uh, family sitting around the kitchen table because yeah. all this talk about transitory inflation put him in a box where people thought, oh, he doesn't even care about the rising prices. And we've seen his approval rating now below some of the lowest points in Donald Trump's administration. And so uh, they've got a serious problem. And I don't think the message he was trying to convey, you know, which was, hey, uh, you got all the stuff you need for Thanksgiving. I cut through all these supply chains. I mean, like, even though it's more expensive, uh, you got it. And I, I don't see that as being the message that's going to make people feel better about the future of the economy. You do have a way of cutting uh, through that. By the way, Thanksgiving week, uh, did, did you see what the, they every year they do this deal with the price of uh, Thanksgiving meal? You saw this year a Thanksgiving dinner. The price overall is up by 14%. That is a headline, Jeannie, that this White House didn't need right now. But what's the president? You mentioned Nantucket. They're, they're headed there tonight. They're back to the old Thanksgiving on Nantucket drill. They've been doing this for over 30 years, the Biden family. As he looks across the bleak gray and white 
uh, vista that that I'm assuming Nantucket has uh, this time of year. Kind of a cold week to be there. Is he considering his own mortality here or or how he's going to come back to Washington and get his arms around this story? You know, I think, you know, I know they've been going there for three decades. It's a lovely place. I love Nantucket. But I also worry to a certain extent this sends the wrong message. Joe Biden ran and won on being the Joe Biden who is empathetic with the working class. He talks a lot about Mm -hmm. his working class roots. Nantucket has more of the— sense too yacht club for you? It it, it has that sense. And I love Nantucket. (laughs) I love it. And I would go there any time. But, you know, Joe Biden, whether he goes—you know, he's going to Nantucket. That aside, he's really got to get— back to what he ran and won on, which is his ability to empathize with the challenges that people are facing in the moment. And that seems to have gotten away from him and has resulted in, amongst other things, this huge decline in his public approval ratings, not just amongst Republicans who didn't support him, but independents, moderate, and even some Democrats. We've come a long way from Mar-a-Lago, Rick Davis. Yeah, they're going to have all kinds of fancy Thanksgiving dinners down there. I mean, they've got a big fundraiser the week after Thanksgiving. But is Nantucket a problem after four years of Mar-a-Lago? Nah, nobody cares about Nantucket. Most people don't even know if it's in the United States. So, I mean, like— I'm here to confirm it is not. These these optics are, are, are irrelevant. Um, uh, unless it has something to do with jobs or the economy, and the economy being spelled inflation, hmm. um, uh, nobody's going to pay much attention to it. And— and, and look, I mean, uh, the reality of it is, is he could use a break. I mean, uh, this administration has been all over the map, and maybe they can get together and think about how they're going to come out of this holiday yeah. with a clear message. Rick and Jeannie, the signature panel, and another great conversation with us on Bloomberg Sound On. This is why they call it the fastest hour in politics. It's already over. I'll meet you back here tomorrow as we track prices at the Thanksgiving table. Borrowing a thought from Matt Shirley, what's happening to wine prices this year? I'm Joe Matthew. This is Bloomberg. Top Thrill 2 is like no other course. Two 420-foot vertical speedways, three launches. All right, let's talk strategy. Copy that, driver. Go for maximum acceleration off the start. Measure that. You've got a short straightaway to push from 0 to 74 on the first vertical speedway. And what about the rollback? Rollback will set you up for an explosive reverse climb 420 feet in the sky so you reach 0 Gs in total weightlessness. 420 feet of straight-up speed. Let's get it. Top Thrill 2, the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch Stratocoaster. Get your tickets at cedarpoint.com. The Hartford understands protecting your business with the proper insurance can be a challenge. The Hartford team can provide coverage to suit your industry. The Hartford empowers mid- to large-size companies like yours to help manage risk, from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. Let the Hartford help protect what's unique about your business. Learn how at thehartford.com.